Welcome in, everybody. Welcome into another episode of the Dynasty Underground. I am your host, Derek Walmack, and you can follow me on Twitter at Dino Underground. That's at D-Y-N-O Underground. And we've made it. We've made it. We've crossed the finish line to the regular season, that is. Yes, for most people, week 13 was the final week of the regular season. We are going into the playoffs like I said, in most leagues, I actually am in one league, my main league where, look, it's a gauntlet. It's rough. It is a 12 team dynasty league. Only four teams make the playoffs and we play through week 14. And then from this is week 15, week 16 playoffs, winner take all. And nothing's decided in that league. This is the tightest that league has ever been. This is actually a really weird year because I am going I'm going to have two or three different teams make the playoffs with a losing record. Um it's just really strange because in each one of those leagues there's only like three player only three teams that have winning records. Um so I don't know hit me up on Twitter let me know if a bunch of weird stuff like that has happened to you guys as well because I'm anxious to see because it's just this has just felt like a strange year altogether, obviously due to COVID. But I mean, as far as the play on the field, I mean, for, I mean, for God's sake, we just saw the New York Giants with Colt McCoy beat the Seattle Seahawks, and then the Washington Football Team. Literally just a few hours ago, <laughs> beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, the undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers ran into the buzzsaw that is the Washington football team and could not pull ahead. Um, it's just been a weird year. So, yeah, show me those screenshots on Twitter because I want to know if it's just me or if, you know, my particular fantasy football experience so far this season is just a microchasm of the larger group you know how many I want to see how many other teams are getting into playoffs with losing records but for those of you who are regular listeners of this show you know what time this is this is what stood out in week 13 Yes, what have we learned from week 13 that will help us going into our playoff runs, our playoff pushes, or, you know, um, if we're rebuilding, you know, if we're rebuilding in a dynasty league, what have we learned? What, you know, what can we take action on? And honestly, like I said, for the regular listeners of the show, you know that I don't go through each and every game and try to manufacture something that I feel is educational. I literally I literally take notes on what stands out to me. That's why I play the song from the Goofy movie. Um, and you know, it's just stuff that I feel like is 
actionable. Maybe it's a trend that's continued for a few weeks. Maybe it's something that just kind of popped up out of nowhere. Um, maybe something we didn't see coming. And it's something I want to talk about. And then, you know, we're, we'll get into it a little bit. You know, a situation like that, that this was kind of a one week thing. But it's something I'll be paying attention to next week because I don't know if this is going to be a trend that happens or if it was just a player getting eased back into action. Um, basically, I just, but, you know, I just write it down because if it happens again next week, I need to have, you know, the evidence in front of me that this could be a trend. But let's start out with the Los Angeles Rams game here. Drill Henderson gets hurt in this game, but you know, speaking of trends, like he gets three carries, he ends up having a decent fantasy day. Three carries, two catches on three targets for 74 yards and a touchdown. He does leave briefly with an injury, but that's not the story. He comes back. That's not the story. The story is Cam Akers. I've been talking about Cam Akers for a few weeks now. He was getting nine carries, ten carries, creeping up there. He had one week where his carry count went down, but then it went back up. And it's clear what's happening. Cam Akers is taking over. You know, I've been talking, I mentioned it a week or two ago that Cam Akers is taking over this backfield. And now he gets a 21 carry effort. He only gets one target, but he catches the ball for 94 total yards, and he scores a touchdown in this one. He scored touchdowns too. Look, this is a talented player. Before the draft, I had Cam Akers rated as, I think, my number three running back in this class. Um, that might have been a little bit high still. Um, after the draft, he kind of fell in my in my rankings quite a bit. But, look, that doesn't mean he's not a good player. He was still a first-round pick, obviously, for me. But he's taken over this backfield now, and this offense is looking pretty good at least good enough to sustain a fantasy relevant running back and I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that you should probably be buying Cam Akers especially if you're on a rebuilding team if you're if you if you have a team that's looking to 2021 um, that window's closed now you're not going to be able to whoever the Cam Akers owner in your league is they're not giving Cam Akers up for anything speculative now like Cam Akers is the high upside piece in any trade right now. And they're not going to give him up. You're going to have to pay way too much. Basically, the price you're going to have to pay for Cam Akers in a trade is he's going to have to hit his ceiling. He's going to have to hit his absolute ceiling to pay off. And, you know, if, if that works for you, go for it. If you're confident in your player evaluation, go for it. But... I'm, you know, I prefer to sell players at their ceilings, not buy them at their ceilings, especially when their ceiling is still speculative. But I mean, that's just a personal philosophy. If you think, you know, if you think you've got the pieces to trade to get Cam Akers and you're still going to pay off value, that's fine. I mean, that you know, that's that's you do you. You run your fantasy team. At the end of the day, at least the way I look at it, at the end of the day. We have to live with the with the decisions that we make, and if you're comfortable, you know, if you buy Cam Akers and he flames out, and you can live with yourself because you trust your process, then that's the move you got to make. 
Um, on the other side of this game, you know, this will probably be the last week that I report on this unless something drastic changes next week and beyond. Chase Edmonds, yep, talked about the Cardinals' backfield. Chase Edmonds gets six carries, six targets, so he gets 12 opportunities in this game. That's not, you know, that's nothing to, you know, look your head at, but he only catches two of them, 43 total yards, so not a great fantasy day. Kenyon Drake only gets 10 carries in this game. He also gets two catches on three targets for 58 yards, and he gets a touchdown. So Kenyon Drake's starting to get some touchdowns as of late, and I'm kind of regretting trading him away in my main Dynasty League. Um, I do have him in one redraft league. I'm kind of hoping that this touchdown streak continues so I can ride Kenyon Drake to hopefully another fantasy championship. Um, but yeah, it just seems as though, you know, a lot of people were trying to will Chase Edmonds to happen. Then whenever Kenyon Drake got hurt and missed a game, it seemed as though that was going to happen. Chase Edmonds got his opportunity, got a bunch of work, but just wasn't very efficient with it. And as soon as Kenyon Drake came back, it was the Kenyon Drake show again. And, you know, I think a lot of people were suspicious that it would turn into a pretty even timeshare. Um, I mean, he does get, Edmonds does get 12 opportunities to 13 for Drake. So it seems pretty even, but I mean, Kenyon Drake is the safe play. Chase Edmonds is more of a PPR flex option. Um, and Kenyon Drake seems to be the guy scoring the touchdowns right now. So, let's switch over now to the Cleveland Browns. You know where I'm going with this. Talking about that backfield. Nick Chubb gets a 50% snap share in this game. 18 carries, one catch on one target for 106 total yards. And he gets another touchdown. Kareem Hunt, 47% snap share, so almost dead even. Um, he gets 14 carries and three catches on three targets for 57 total yards. So 19 opportunities for Chubb, 17 opportunities for Kareem Hunt. But look, it's been working out for us Kareem Hunt believers. Uh, the last few weeks have been kind of rough. But look, I know all offseason I was touting Kareem Hunt saying he's arguably as talented as Nick Chubb and that's why we should wait and draft Kareem Hunt in the 5th, 6th, 7th round instead of Nick Chubb in the 1st or 2nd and yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. And look, that's worked out. That's turned out to be true. If for no other reason, then Nick Chubb got hurt and Kareem Hunt's a top 12 running back right now in fantasy. But I was wrong. Nick Chubb is a better running back than Kareem Hunt is. It's nice that Kareem Hunt is you know, better in the passing game. But Nick Chubb is just so much more efficient. When you watch these two players, you can tell that one of them plays at a different level than the other. And Nick Chubb plays on the higher level. I'm actually interested in buying Nick Chubb right now. If I can get him, I kind of don't think I'm going to be able to get him at a reasonable price. So I don't think I'll be able to acquire him uh, very much this offseason. But he's definitely a player I'm going to kick the tires on, a player I'm not going to be shy offering what I think Nick Chubb is worth. You know, I'm not going to try to lowball the Nick Chubb manager. 
I'm going to offer what I think Nick Chubb is worth. And I mean, it's, it's an RB one. It's RB one price for me. And you know, I had, I know I had Chubb and Hunt both as RB twos going into the season telling you right now, that is going to be different next season because Nick Chubb is the real deal. He is one of the best running backs in the league. Look, Kareem Hunt's a good running back, you know, and he has turned out to be the better value. Like I said, if for no other reason than Nick Chubb or yeah, Nick Chubb got hurt. So this is one of those, this is one of those situations where, yeah, it's great. We got the results. You know, I, was advising everyone to not draft Nick Chubb in the first or second, take Kareem Hunt later. It's worked out. But I will not be doing that next season because Nick Chubb is just flat out the better player. If they're both going to get 18, you know, 17, 18 plus touches a game, the clear player that I want in that timeshare is Nick Chubb. It, I mean, if for no other reason that he's still going to get a ton of work and he is going to be more efficient with those touches than Kareem Hunt is. And in my opinion, it's worth the early round draft capital. But we have to switch uh, switch over now to, I want to talk about the Philadelphia Eagles right now. Miles Sanders has been hurting fantasy managers all season, if for no other reason than he's been hurt, but... He's not been good the last few weeks. He's been back. This week, 10 carries, no catches on one target for 31 yards. Jordan Howard gets four carries for 19 yards. Boston Scott gets two carries and no catches on two targets for nine yards. So Miles Sanders is out-touching both of these backs individually by a wide margin. But Miles Sanders gets 11 total opportunities in this game. And Jordan Howard and Boston Scott combine for eight. So, I mean, Miles Sanders, he's getting just over half the running back touches, at least last week. I don't know what to do with it. I mean, honestly, I think this season is just a loss for the entire Philadelphia Eagles offense. Um, you know, we see Carson Wentz get benched in this game. Something I have written down on my notes right here. Let's just, I'll tie this in with the running back, you know, talk, but Carson Wentz gets benched in this game. It's been something that people have been calling for for weeks now. And Jalen Hurts, he he wasn't bad. He was okay. You know, the interception that showed up on the stat sheet wasn't really his fault. It was just a last second prayer. You can't really count that against him, but he only throws 12 passes, only completes five of them. But, for a pretty respectable 109 yards and a touchdown, one of which was a beautiful deep ball to Jalen Rager, which, I mean, Jalen Hurst to Jalen Rager on a deep ball, <laughs> that's a lot of people love to see that, myself included. Uh, he also ran five times in this 29, you know, for 29 yards in this game. So if uh, Jalen Hurts is going to get more playing time. Let's say Jalen Hurts starts next week, which is a possibility. Doug Peterson said he's going to have to, you know, wrap his head around the game and unravel that for himself. Blah blah blah. But if Jalen Hurts is the starting quarterback next week, we can expect him to run the ball quite a bit too. So 
You have Jordan Howard and Boston Scott combining for almost as many opportunities as Miles Sanders. Now throw in Jalen Hurts to that equation. I don't know if we can trust Miles Sanders. You might have to. You might not have any other option. Look, the dude's a home run hitter. He's got big playability. He's a talented player. And if you want to go down swinging with talented players on your starting roster, that's honestly, I can live with that. But if I have another option that I feel safer with, I think that's what I'm going to have to lean, especially, you know, this offense, this team just looks, I mean, they just look like they have no idea what they're doing out there. Um, They look sloppy on both sides of the ball. It's just not anything I want a part of fantasy-wise, at least not if I'm competing. I'm fine buying these players, you know, if I can get them for cheap for 2021 and beyond. But if I'm a title contender, I want no part of the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, Not for 2020 anyways. Um, Honestly, this is a pretty short list. You know, it's a pretty short week for what stood out in, you know, in week 13. Because we are already at Monday Night Football with my notes. Um, We had two games, obviously. But I really only want to talk about the Bills 49ers game. Zach Moss was getting some, a little bit of work early. He only ends up with three carries plus one catch on one target for 14 total yards. And technically, he didn't, I guess, didn't fumble it, but he did. Um, it looks like Josh Allen is actually the one being credited for that fumble. But it was a botched handoff. It was pretty clearly Zach Moss's fault. And the Bills coaching staff seems to believe so, too, because Devin Singletary ends this game with 18 carries to Moss's three and three catches on four targets for 83 total yards. Um, look, Devin Singletary, to me, is clearly the better player. They've been splitting touches pretty evenly. You know, When they've both been healthy, they've been splitting touches pretty evenly. I don't love either one of these players. I don't love Devin Singletary. I think he's a fine running back. He's, at least in my eyes, he's clearly a better running back than Zach Moss is. Maybe, maybe this game was enough to, you know, to maybe we can trust Devin Singletary next week. I know, I mean, I don't have Devin Singletary anywhere because I've not been... His biggest fan, uh, you know, to begin with, especially at where he was going in drafts. Um, so I don't have any sing- Devin Singletary on any of my teams, so I don't really have to make the decision to start him or not. So I don't know what it looks like if you do, but I'm I would much rather give it one more week if I could. If we get through next week and Devin Singletary is you know t- you know getting sixteen seventeen touches. A game, you know, if he gets 16, 17, 18 touches next game as well, then I'd be comfortable starting him in week 15. But as of right now, you know, I don't know if this was just a punishment for Zach Moss. He didn't see the field a whole lot after the fumble. I don't know, you know, the extent and severity of that punishment is going to be. But I mean, it's kind of, I feel like it'd be hard to ignore if you're the head football coach. 
and one of your running backs fumbles. So you put the other guy in a more prominent role, and he goes out there and looks as good as he did. I mean, it'd be it'd be hard for me to really give the other guy a whole lot of consideration moving forward. Um, other side of that game, Raheem Mostert gets a four, you know, he comes back from injury, gets a 44% snap share, comes out to nine carries, one catch on one target for 43 total yards. Not great. Jeff Wilson gets a 47% snap share. So, you know, not Jarek McKinnon, not Tevin Coleman. It's Jeff Wilson that gets a 47% snap share. He gets seven carries and two catches on five targets for 69 total yards. And he actually got a handful of goal line carries there earlier in the game that he couldn't convert on. I Here's what I think. And it really doesn't matter what I think. Um, but I think... Raheem Moser was just being, you know, kind of eased back in. He got hurt a while back, came back in, got hurt again, you know, re-aggravated an injury. Um, so I think they were easing him back in. Yeah, I, I think I would be comfortable starting Raheem Mostert next week if I had to. Um, I'd much rather start Mostert over Singletary, just because, you know, we've seen Mostert flash some big playability this year. We've seen Mostert score some touchdowns. He scored a lot of touchdowns last season. Um, something that I just don't think Devin Singletary is ever going to do. And like so this just comes down to each personal player. You know, if I if I started Raheem, you know, I don't have Raheem Mostert in the league either. He was going around the same area um, Devin Singletary was in drafts, and I was generally selecting either. DeAndre Swift or wide receivers, you know, in that in that kind of group. So I really don't have to make this decision, but I would be comfortable putting Raheem Mostert in as a flex or something, you know, in you know next week, just because I personally feel like he was getting eased in back to action this week. Um, but if you don't feel that way, if you think it's going to be a timeshare, here's here's what I do know. If you are involved in this 49ers backfield for fantasy, we at least know that Raheem Mostert is going to be one part of that timeshare. Now, next week, whether he splits with Tevin Coleman or Jeff Wilson or Jarek McKinnon, that remains to be seen. We don't know. But I think it's pretty clear that um, uh, Raheem Mostert is going to be at least one half of that equation. So, you know, he only gets 10 opportunities, 10 touches in this game. That's not going to cut it, especially for, you know, an RB2 that maybe could do it for your flex. I mean, 43 yards isn't going to do it, but I would personally, you know, project him to get a little bump in usage next week, closer to the 15 touch range. And if, if I'm getting 15 touches for from Raheem Mostert, I'm fine with whatever he gives me at that point. If I got to slot him in there, like I said, I'd put I I'd want 15 touches from Mostert over 18 touches from Singletary. That's just my personal opinion. I think Mostert's a better player. I think he's a more explosive player. Um, and I don't, you know, Jeff Wilson gets some goal line carries here, but he was really just kind of on the field already as they're running their offense. Um. 
you know, I think if it had been Raheem Mostert, there was, you know, just happened to be in there. I don't think they would have pulled him for Jeff Wilson. That's just kind of how the cards shook out this time. It happens. It happens sometimes. You know, we know what we're getting into when we get these committee backs. Uh, Raheem Mostert, you know, I, like I said, he's going to be one half of the timeshare. So I'd much rather, I'd feel much more comfortable starting Mostert than any other running back. In that backfield, obviously. <clears throat> now, let's talk about the wide receivers for the 49ers because this was interesting. Because I love both of these players, Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. Has, that's what I'm talking about. Debo Samuel gets six catches on nine targets. Love that. Plus one carry for 76 total yards. Look, we'll take that. Six care or six catches, nine targets. One carry for 76 yards. We'll take that every day. Brennan Ayuk, he gets five catches, but he also gets nine targets for 95 yards and a touchdown. Look, he made some really good catches in this game. You know, some slant routes. Nick Mullins just led him just a little bit too far. He had to stretch out and kind of pluck him, you know, pluck him out of the air from about waist level uh, as he was falling to the ground. They were nice catches. Mullins needs to be able to keep Ayuk on his feet because he, like Debo Samuel, these players are excellent after the catch. It's clear to me that Brandon Ayuk has better hands than Debo. Look, I love Debo Samuel. You know, I've mentioned it a lot of times on this podcast. Debo Samuel is my type of wide receiver. You know, the the yards after the catch, you know, shifty guy, you know, the running back, quote unquote, once you get the ball in your hands. I'm always going to love that guy. I shouldn't say always. At least the way the state the NFL is in now, I'm always going to love those guys. You know, the DJ Moores, the AJ Browns, the Brandon Ayukes, the Debo Samuels. Those are my type of guys right there. So I love Debo Samuel. But I also love Brandon Ayuk. I had Brandon Ayuk rated as a first-round rookie in rookie drafts this year. I was the highest person that I personally know of on Brandon Ayuk. In my Twitter bio, it says president of the Brandon Ayuk fan club. Um, so, you know, it's these are similar players. But the one thing I think, the, the glaring difference to me is, look, Debo Samuel just every now and then will have some bad drops. He had one in this game. His little screen pass just clanged right off his hands. That doesn't really happen to Brandon Ayuk. Uh, Brandon Ayuk gets more deep shot. You know, Debo Samuel gets a lot of stuff very close to the line of scrimmage. Like I said, he got a handoff from the backfield, which I like. Don't get me wrong. Um, but, you know, he gets some screen passes, which I you know, I like these play. I like whenever, especially players like this, when they're getting touches manufactured for them. I like it. You know, Curtis Samuel's another one. I love it. But they also need to go down the field a little bit too, and that's Brandon Ayuk's role. That's been where Brandon Ayuk has been thriving. So Brandon Ayuk's been running down the field more than Debo Samuel has. And these two players haven't played together a whole lot. This is why this is something that stood out for me. Because they're finally on the field together. Um, they each get nine targets. Look, if each one of them is going to get nine targets, start both of them. You know, I'm fine with starting both of them. They're both probably going to give you close to... You know, wide receiver two, wide receiver three numbers. You know, six catches, 76 total yards for Debo Samuel. If you're in a PPR league, that's fine. 
Brandon Ayuk, five catches, 95 yards, and a touchdown. That's numbers. That's good numbers, you know, no matter what type of league you're in. Um, he also, Brandon Ayuk gets the Enzo target late in that game. And he had the guy beat, and Nick Mullins just led him a little bit too far. He couldn't make the play in the end zone. Um, it's actually lucky for me because, and uh, I have one in my main league. You know, let's sidebar for a second. Let's talk about my fantasy team. Now, in, in in one league, my main league, I honestly contemplated starting Brandon Ayuk over Terry McLaurin just due to the matchup. I told myself, no, don't get cute. Terry McLaurin's awesome. He's going to get a crap load of targets. Start Terry McLaurin. Um, Turned out not to be the right the right move. Uh, but what where I did get lucky is so at, right after Brandon Ayuk wasn't able to reel that you know that touchdown catch in Jordan Reed catches it and I have to start Jordan Reed in that league because I've got George Kittle on IR so um all I gotta do is win this game if I win this game I'm in the playoffs basically it, I have Lamar Jackson my opponent has Marquise Brown and a five-point lead all I gotta do is win this matchup, and I'm in the playoffs. Um, so that that touchdown catch from Jordan Reed really helps me this week, um, this season. I would have liked to have seen Ayuk catch the ball just because it would have made his end of year numbers look better. But man, I needed that Jordan Reed touchdown. Um, now, if you think I'm, if I've missed this, I haven't. I've been saving this for last. You've probably been listening, especially if you are a regular listener of this show. You probably have been sitting there wondering, like, dude, is he not going to talk about this? Does he not know what happened on Sunday? You know, like, did he? Did he not watch that game? And let me just tell you something. I 100% watched that game. And if you know this song, you know where this is going. Ladies and gentlemen, Jonathan Taylor has officially broken out. I don't want to live like that. Naheem Hines only gets six carries and 32 yards. Jonathan Taylor gets 13 carries, three catches for 135 total yards and a touchdown. A beautiful 39-yard receiving touchdown where he catches the ball up at the sideline and just sprints past the defense. You know I was saving that game for last. My man, Jonathan Taylor, has been killing it. He wasn't able to play last week because of COVID. It was super frustrating because I truly felt that two weeks ago, that was a little bit of a breakout. Two weeks ago, he gets 22 carries and four catches for 114 yards. This is two games in a row Jonathan Taylor has Went over a hundred yards. Look, he's here. 
and not this isn't just a stats thing. This is a vision thing. This is a confidence thing. He looks much more comfortable in the backfield. He looks much more willing to be patient and just trust himself, trust his abilities. You know, I liken it to, so Ezekiel Elliott's rookie year, and I'm not saying Jonathan Taylor is the next Ezekiel Elliott, but I remember specifically watching a Dallas game, Ezekiel Elliott's rookie year. It was a fourth and one. Uh, Dallas goes for it. They hand the ball off to Ezekiel Elliott. He's supposed to just run straight up the gut. He takes the handoff, and it's just a traffic jam right up the gut. So what does he do? He bounces it outside, gets four or five yards, gets the first down. And um, the commentators made a note. They said, hey, this is significant because early in the season, Ezekiel Elliott would have just crashed into that line, tried to power his way through the first down. But now he is more confident. He is more confident in his abilities. He trusts himself more. And that's why he was able, you know, that's why he bounced that out and was able to get the first down. That's what looks like is happening with Jonathan Taylor. You know, go look at the videos now online. He's seeing cutback lanes. He's making the right cuts. He's making the right reads. Ladies and gentlemen, he's here. <laughs> We've done it. Um, I really hope if you took my advice and drafted Jonathan Taylor everywhere like I did, I really hope you're in title contention, you know, in redraft leagues, dynasty leagues, what have you. I really hope you're in title contention. Look, I threw Jonathan Taylor in my starting lineup in all my leagues last week because I I believed that two weeks ago we did see this. There was a, I, we did see the first game of a breakout because the reason I threw him in my starting lineups is because to me. This wasn't just a statistical anomaly. This was him looking like a better runner and, you know, a more instinctual runner. And he continued it on Sunday. Look, Jonathan Taylor has arrived. Jonathan Taylor, it took a it took him a while. It took him much longer than I'm comfortable with. But the important thing is that we are here now and I am so I'm not only comfortable with throwing Jonathan Taylor into my starting lineups next week I'm excited about it I'm so excited about it because you know he has been he gets the Las Vegas Raiders here's what sucks he gets the Pittsburgh Steelers in week 16 <laughs> but in weeks 14 and 15 he gets the Las Vegas Raiders and the Houston Texans Two soft matchups. I'm excited for this. I'm excited to throw Jonathan Taylor into my starting lineups and hopefully ride him through the playoffs. Because this was like my guy. This was like, you know, yeah, I've mentioned this before. The whole my whole first episode, I just talked about how much I love Jonathan Taylor pretty much. Um uh, man, I had to save that guy for last. I was so excited to talk about him. I had the breakout song by, by Foo Fighters queued up. Oh man, I just I'm smiling ear to ear right now. You know, a lot of my friends have given me so much grief for how much I liked Jonathan Taylor. And what can I say? 
I haven't been able to say, I just have to sit there and take it. And it sucks. And, and in my head, I'm like, yeah, he hasn't been playing that well. You know, I was out playing disc golf over the weekend and we were talking about Jonathan Taylor and one of my buddies, I think he was trying to get under my skin, but he says, oh, you mean the third best running back on the Indianapolis Colts? Come on, dude. Come on, dude. Don't do that. Don't do that to me. Don't do that to yourself. And, you know, I said this kind of in jest, but it looks like it worked out. I, you know, I said, hey, don't talk like that because Jonathan Taylor broke out last week. He's here. He's arrived. He's he's here. He's done it. He's broken out. And I got the, okay, yeah, whatever. You know, I got that, but it's true. He's here. He's made it. And now, hopefully, I get to be the last one laughing whenever I'm holding all the championship trophies. And I'm telling you right now, if I ride Jonathan Taylor to a championship, I'm buying a Jonathan Taylor jersey. I'm not even a Colts fan. I'm a Green Bay Packers fan. A pretty hardcore Green Bay Packers fan. I own Green Bay Packers jerseys. I don't really ever wear jerseys. Um, but I, I've got some. I'll buy a Jonathan Taylor jersey as soon as that matchup is over. If I win, especially in my main dynasty league, if I win that league with Jonathan Taylor, I'm putting a jersey in a frame on the wall, in the studio, in my house. Um, but <laughs> that is going to have to do it for today's episode. This has been the Dynasty Underground. I have been your host, Derek Walmack. And as, as always, thanks for listening. Sugar.